The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man man there named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of all my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, our gospel takes us to Jericho. An interesting fact about Jericho is that it is the longest known or the the oldest continuously lived in inhabited town in the world. Uh, we hear about Jericho in, when the Israelites are going to the Promised Land, right? And they cross the Jordan and they march around the walls of Jericho and they come tumbling down. Well, even at that time, people continued to live there. And we see it once again in Jesus' time. And people still live there today. An interesting thing about uh, something like that is, you know, old is an interesting thing. Because at a certain extent, when, it, when something gets old, it just becomes like, irrelevant and it's a bad thing, right? But if it gets old enough, then it's just impressive, right? It's like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing or, you know, kind of antiques and, and other things, you know, it kind of goes through a certain process. I think about that similarly with the Catholic Church. Now, the Catholic Church isn't the oldest religion, um, but it is the oldest, longest, continuous religious organization in the sense that there are other religions, uh, such as Judaism, which has long, gone longer, but they're more linked to a book, and they, they're not as organizational as the Catholic Church is. The fact is, is that the Catholic Church has had a pope continuously, right, besides other little, little times of, you know, in, in between popes, but popes and cardinals and bishops and priests and churches in operation as an organization for over 2,000 years, which is amazing, Every organization uh, kind of goes through, right, ups and downs and different things. And the Catholic Church is, is no uh, um, exception to that rule as well. We look at the history of the Catholic Church, and there are many times when the Catholic Church should have been destroyed. Think about the founding, right? Jesus, uh, the founder, right, dies on a cross. Well, that's not a very good way to start an organization, right? Um, we look at the early first, you know, 250 years, and the church was constantly persecuted, and people were killed for it and wiped off the map, right? It's not a good way to start. Then we have multiple splits and heresies that tear apart the church at different times and divide bishops and priests and congregations 
Uh, We have the split of the Orthodox. We have in the 1500s the split of Lutheran and and Protestant, right? But we have continually today, it's it's not just other people, right, those type of splits. It's also within that uh, there continues to be clergy abuses. There have been really bad popes. And that not isn't, isn't just today that we have these certain scandals or different things, but has continued to be throughout the entire church. I love there's this one story of Napoleon Bonaparte when he was taking over Europe. He wanted some authority from the Catholic Church, which, which had relevance in many people's lives. And so being crowned emperor was very important by the Catholic Church, right? And he wanted that to be done, and the Pope wouldn't do it. And he was speaking to an ambassador from the Pope, uh, a cardinal, and he said, if you don't do this, does the Pope realize that if he doesn't do this, I will destroy the church. I will rip it apart. And the cardinal just kind of laughs and he says, the clergy have been trying to do that for 1,800 years and we haven't succeeded. You know, there's, there's many things that within it, you know, many people from outside the church want to destroy it. But there's many things that we sometimes do within it that that seek to destroy it, but yet it continues to go. Well, why? Well, I would posit because there's something more than just an organization. If it was just a human organization, it should have failed long ago. But there's something more there, that it's not a human institution in and of itself, but that we have, that it's the bride of Christ, that it's guided by the Holy Spirit. And although it's made up of sinful people, that even from the very beginning, that Judas was chosen as one of the 12 and would, um, by Jesus himself, and would uh, betray him, right? We have Peter who himself also betrayed Jesus and yet would be the first pope, right? He doesn't exactly choose always the best people per se, you know, uh, from a degree, but yet the church continues on. Now today, we look at out at the news and just, uh, if you're, up with Catholic news. It just continues over the last you know, two years or just even the secular news just uh, continues to kind of bash and, and kind of, you know, the sex abuse, McCarrick, uh, problems with the Vatican and everything else. And we just continue to kind of say, well, is this, is this even, you know, relevant anymore? Is, are we going to be able to continue? We look at the numbers, the collections, the, the churches. Uh, we look as a whole and we just say, is there any future? Is there any future? I would say to a certain extent, we have to say with a certain amount of pride that, well, we've seen worse. <laughs> we've seen worse before, and yet the church continued. Um, and so we kind of take certain heart in that. But that still doesn't take away the certain times when, I don't know whether you yourself have kind of said, I'm not sure why I'm Catholic right now. You know, it's difficult to be Catholic. It's difficult to talk about my faith or to be able to say that, yeah, this is, this is the, the church that I believe in, that I believe in her teaching and that she continues to, to teach and preach and, and minister for Christ. And I would say at certain times, even over the past two years as I've been ordained, there have been certain times when I've kind of questioned and said, why am I a Catholic priest? Why am I a Catholic priest? This, there's, there's much easier jobs out there, right? It's much easier ways uh, that I could do or, or, you know, just with all the crap that's going on, just, just why, why do I continue on? And I would say to a certain extent, I have to identify with Zacchaeus today. Um, 
looking back at my life, you know, why am I here today? Well, I, I didn't always want to be a Catholic priest. I didn't always understand who Jesus was. I was raised Catholic, um, but I didn't necessarily know him. Like Zacchaeus, I had heard about Jesus, right? You hear about him. You hear about how great he is, but, but you haven't necessarily experienced that yourself. And so they're, they're, they're hopefully, instead of just a, a deadening, there should be a certain amount of curiosity that kind of grows up within that. And Zacchaeus, who was this very sinful man, he was a chief tax collector. Tax collectors made their money uh, by being uh, greedy, essentially. The, the Romans used tax collectors, their, their own people, to collect taxes for the Romans. And then in order to get paid, they had to uh, add on top of the taxes. So they were essentially kind of exor- extorting their own people in order to get paid. And, and they could do it as much as they wanted. So we hear that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. He was a wealthy man, and he was the chief tax collector in that. And so he was a betrayer, right? He was a greedy man. He was a sinful man, right? He wasn't a good Jew. But yet he wanted to see something more, and so he, he opened himself up to it and actually had to make himself a little bit humbled, right? Because of his short stature, because he wasn't you know, uh, as capable as other people, perhaps. He had to climb a tree and be kind of a fool, to see whether he could see Jesus. And it was in that, that openness, that then Jesus called him. I think about for myself, um, and as I started to encounter Catholics who knew and loved their faith, I wanted to say there was something more. And so I started to open up myself to a certain extent to, to Jesus. And there was a certain point when he called me, right? Where I was able to encounter him and he invited or he invited himself over, right? He invited himself in to my life, and that changed everything. It changed from where I was pursuing greediness and selfishness, um, where I had to say, like Zacchaeus, like all these things that I've been pursuing, they're nothing. They're dust, they're sand. And so... Uh, I was able to say with Zacchaeus, you know, like half of my possessions I give to the poor. For myself, I didn't have many possessions, uh, but I did have a full ride, uh, full ride scholarship to the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis. And I had to say, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do, and I'm gonna give away for the Lord. And my dad, when I first told him that, was like, wait, 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 just go two more years, and then you can do whatever you want, right? You know, just have some security, right? And he was, he was looking out for my good. But from my perspective, it was just like, wow. You know, there's, Jesus gave a new horizon to what life was for, right? Money and security was no longer the main thing, right? And so that completely transformed what I chose. And at certain times, I feel like St. Peter, who, you know, everyone leaves. And yet I have to say, Lord, but to whom shall we go, you know? You have the words of everlasting life. You know, there have been multiple times where I think about that as well. Like, well, what else would I do, right? Where else is life? I I know that it's nowhere else. I've pursued the other things of the world, and I know that they aren't there. So yeah, the Christian life, the Catholic life, the Catholic priesthood is difficult, but there's nowhere else. There's nowhere else to be. This week is National Vocations Awareness Week. And we talk about vocations um, it's partly why I kind of bring up, bring up this story and in some ways to, to recognize, I think we, we do an injustice with vocations 
um, be, because we don't really understand vocations. Vocations is a calling from God, right? And he continues to call just like he called Zacchaeus today, right? Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. I'm going over to your house, right? And he had to listen. He had to be open to that. He had to be seeking him out. He had to see other people who were talking about Jesus and, and living for Jesus and, and grow a type of curiosity about that. But we also have to understand that we have to look at the world with reality. And I know for myself, when I'm, when I'm talking with different people, they'll, they'll often bring up certain things that unfortunately is just really bad discernment. One of the ones that I really like is on occasion, somebody will say, uh, you know, Father, you know, I thought about the priesthood, but I really like girls. And it's like, well, um, then you shouldn't get married either because you have to say no to all the other girls, right? All the other women. You have to say no to that. And so similar, you know, it's, it's like there, there's this misconception of what marriage is, right? And like, well, Father, you know, it'd be really, it'd be really lonely being a priest, well, have you talked with married people? Do you know how lonely it can be to be married? To have somebody that you're with, but yet doesn't completely understand and that you're in an argument with, but yet you're stuck with? Do you know, do you know what that's like? No, right? When people enter into it and they say, and they compare the best of marriage, and there is so much good within marriage, Right? but they compare the best of marriage with the worst of the priesthood or religious life, right? And that's not a good discernment, right? That's not a good vocational awareness, right? That's not what we're trying to do. Now, not that I want to say, you know, to, to break down marriage. Marriage should be held up and it should be an ideal and it should also be a calling. Not something that you just fall into, but that you see it as actually a means of growing in holiness, of helping bring each other to heaven, and actually growing in the virtue of patience, right? And love and perseverance, right? And it should be that uh, means of holiness. But also the priesthood. The priesthood, you know, people look at the priest and they say, well, Father, I wish that you could get married, you know, or I wish that you could be married. And I'm like, well, I don't. You know, well, why? You know, why? Because they think that I can't be happy if I'm not married, right? I can't have real or close relationships. Let me tell you, talking with people, you know, some people share things with me that they won't share with their best friend or their spouse. That's a closeness, right? And it's not because I'm a, a really, you know, a good person and they just want to talk to Sam. They want to talk to Father, right? I get to hear the struggles of people in confession and realize that it's not green on the other side, right? I have those tough, relations, those tough conversations. I'm invited into people's houses, invited into children's lives and in ways that if I was married and I had my own children would never be possible. I'm invited, it, it, it's just amazing. I wish that people, on occasion, I look back on my day and I think about the five to ten completely unique but yet powerful, uh, close uh, encounters that I've had with people. And I just wish that people knew what that was like, right? Knew what, what I got, how blessed the priesthood is and how relevant and necessary it is today. Last week, I was invited into a family's, you know, 
life because this young man is, is dying of cancer. And there's no reason why I should have been invited in and been able to be given the chance to talk to this man who, who you know, just has hours each day with, with his family and only has a few days left. In fact, he passed away last night. Uh, I was invited into that to have a one-on-one conversation with him. Why? You know, because I'm supposed to be a bridge for Christ, right? For God. And I'm only blessed with that opportunity because of the ordination that I have. And some people might think that that's a really kind of uh, depressing thing. Like, oh, you have to do funerals and you have to talk with people who are dying, you know, anointing the sick. No, it's, it's so incredibly blessed. I get to be reminded every single moment what really matters in life, right? I get to be reminded of what life really is. You have to see people in their best and in their worst, right? And remember and see life at, you know, at, at marriage, at baptism, at sickness, at death, at mourning, right? You to see people in all those different, the, the great variety of human life. And that is an amazing blessing that I get. Now, yes, the priesthood does have certain crosses, but so does every other vocation, right? And just, uh, you know, we, we don't see as many priests. We don't see uh, also religious life. Now, a priest is a little bit different than religious. Religious take a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And similarly, they actually walk closer to Jesus in a closer state of life, of holiness, than even a priest. They walk closer to Jesus because they live the same life in a certain extent, that Jesus did of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And people say, well, well, all those things you know, make, would make you unhappy, but yet you look at religious life and they are some of the happiest people that I know, right? Why? Because there's something more than just the world. And so when we talk about vocations, we should talk about the crosses that all of them have, right? Because as Christians, as Catholics, we're called to live a life of sacrificial love. But that sacrificial love, if we live it properly, also comes with the greatest blessings, right? Now, as a Catholic church, we're experiencing great difficulty and suffering. And in a lot of ways, we say, well, what's going to happen in the future? Is the Catholic church going to even still be there? Is it going to look completely different? Well, I do know that it will change, you know? We're seeing the culture change as a whole, right? And the Catholic Church will change as well. It's not going to look the same that it did 50 years ago or 100 years or 500 years ago, right? But it will still be the same church. And I am confident that it will survive. I'm confident not because of myself or because I can convince enough people to remain Catholic or become Catholic, but I'm convinced because the Holy Spirit is doing its work, even in the midst of, of things falling apart, right? Even in the midst of of people sinning. The Holy Spirit continues to work. And I'm convinced that it won't only survive, but that it will grow and it will thrive. Maybe not in numbers of people, but throughout the ages in the greatest, darkest times, that's actually the times when the greatest saints have been raised up. Because we realize that we can't just do the same that we've always done, but we need to listen in a greater way to the calling of God. Our vocation doesn't just end once we get married or enter religious life or become a priest. We're constantly called to listen to God and hear his call in our life. 
And it's as a community that we foster that listening that other people can also listen and hear their vocation. May we be a community that does that so that uh, the Catholic Church isn't going to survive or die on ourselves, but yet it is, right? Because the only thing that we can control today is ourselves in the way that we listen and follow Jesus in our life.